<clears throat> okay. Um, I don't know if I've officially talked about it on this podcast, um, but I have potentially talked about it in a podcast. Uh, anyways, this is uh, things that have been occupying my brain for the last week, so you guys can hear about it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Cube with your host, Quinn Noro, nerd as you know me by now. Hello, I'm a little bit louder today. Sorry about that uh, last week's episode. I did it early on a sun- uh, on Sunday and so Boston was sleeping so I didn't want to you know, wake her up, which I think I talked about it in the podcast. So that was a bit harder to hear. That was because I couldn't fully project. So the audio quality was, you know, a bit quieter than it usually is because of that. Um... So, sorry if that was a bit confusing and a bit hard to listen to. Um, I understand if you skipped it. It was a fairly short one. Um, Pretty much just talked about my first week at work, I think. I think that's what I talked about. Maybe the second week. I don't remember what I talked about. It would have been the first week, yeah. Um, Anyways, (laughs) um, it's good to recap that in case you decided to turn off of that podcast. Um, I really enjoy the work. I think it's going to be a great time. I feel like I'm a really good fit, especially after this week. Um, I've really gotten into the deep end, I think, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm still entry level on all of the things. But for me, I feel like I'm getting myself immersed and I'm getting myself uh, prepared to take on activities and roles at Metro on my own, Um, obviously. Nothing there is done on your own. You always have um, peer-reviewed items. usually have something somebody else working with you somebody else has more knowledge than you on a subject or potentially you're just working together on the project because you know two different parts of it um so you're never just working on a project alone you may lead a project you may be running a certain section of the project on your own you are expected to know something that only you are going to know and to get it done obviously um but you're not just left to your own devices so it's not it's not scary um to do that at least in my opinion i don't think it is um but I feel like I'm very comfortable um, in the environment to really dig into subjects at Metro. I'm not really going to go into a whole detail of everything, um, but it has not necessarily widened my scope because obviously all of this stuff has already been in my brain. But for me, um, I know that these things are possible. So, okay, what I'm going to be talking about is my home lab. Um, that's what I was alluding to at the beginning. we will just go ahead and say it right now. I will be talking about everything that's going on in my home network um, and things that will be um, how to route back to my home network when I am remote. So if that doesn't interest you, um, I do appreciate you coming in for the first three minutes. Um, uh, I'll see you next week. But to everybody that is interested in this topic and at the very least wants to understand what I mean by home lab, maybe you won't fully understand you know, all of the technologies that I'll be discussing or really understand the functionality or the full scope of what I'm building but you know hopefully I can make it uh, a bit informative enough where you're like okay yeah I kind of understand what he's talking about and that sounds dope um I'll probably never do this for myself but that sounds very cool what he's doing and you know whatever you may be thinking for those of you that don't understand and don't care thank you for being here for you that do care or don't understand but want to care or people that don't care but like listening to me whoever's staying around here thanks for being here (laughs) um i appreciate that so without further ado you know work has expanded my mind 
I have always thought about these ideas um, with Raspberry Pi's um, lower-end hardware with Linux on it instead of Windows or uh, Mac OS using old hardware like I have an old uh, MacBook Air which I think is the 2010 Air so it sucks um, however I've dropped Pop OS on it uh, really spent a lot of time on that um, at one point I was running Kali Linux on it but the for whatever reason the Wi-Fi adapter um, fix that I had didn't work but it worked for Pop so I just nuked my Kali Linux and built Pop on it instead um, if you don't know Pop OS is like the um, current purported Linux gaming machine because it uses uh, what is, it, what is it called? Wine, I think, is what it is. That basically virtualizes, rehosts. I don't know exactly how it works, but allows you to play Windows-based games on Linux. And I think there's a couple other packages that also uses to uh, work on some hardware and gaming. But anyways, Pop! OS I'm using as a Linux alternative to Mac! OS on my MacBook Air, but also as a Windows uh, alternative because I can't run Windows on that MacBook Air. So uh, I do want to play some games on the MacBook. Maybe, I probably won't. I'm probably just going to repurpose it to be a tunnel uh, with my current build out of my home network. I should be able to use it. Similar to how I'm using my phone to tunnel into uh, network attached devices. Um, I'll use my laptop and want to get an iPad, I will also do that as well. But um, editing, uh, you know, like a Raspberry Pi remotely on your phone isn't that great because it's not the uh, the client that I'm using, Web SSH isn't that great. Um, I'm not gonna really get into much of that detail yet, but anyways, I'm getting off track, sorry. Let me get refocused. Um, yeah, so I, I have the Linux um, stuff installed on a few different devices. Um, I also have a dual boot on my main machine with a Pop! OS instance as well to kind of see how my PC can handle um, Linux gaming instead of Windows-based gaming. The only reason why I haven't yet is because Dolphin, um, which is how I play Melee, isn't fully supported on Linux yet. Uh, mainly the Slippy launcher that I use to play um, unranked and soon hopefully ranked um, Melee doesn't exist really for Linux yet. Um, it's still mostly just Windows based. And technically there is a Linux port that works, but it's not officially ran by Fizzy, who is the developer and creator of project slippy so you know i haven't really tested it um so that's the main reason why i'm still using windows to be honest or else i would fully be pushed over to pop os um simply because i think it's better than windows it's a lot lighter weight than windows so i can use more of my hardware for things like vms if i really need to do other things that window can do um i might even do that you know now that i'm thinking about it i might just run a vm just to play netplay uh, I'm going to try that out. <laughs> I'm actually going to put that into my list right here, which I have currently I have built out um, on a Notion uh, page. I'm trying to think what this is called. I think it's technically a uh, template to keep track of all your work. Um, I can't remember what the template is technically called, but I'm using it as um, a workflow management, uh, project management device. Uh, tool, you know, I don't know the best way to say it, but uh, give me a second to put this in here so that I don't forget. About it. Okay, I put that in there. Um, I'm going to rebuild that later. Um, I've literally just dropped it in there and given it a no status um, so that I can come back to it later. Um, let me actually give it a status so that I can um, easily get back to it. But, anyways, back to what I was saying. Um, using a few different things for Linux. 
get a few different things going around and I decided, you know what, I want some more versatility out of the server that I have as well as my overall network, um, which I've been talking about since, um, you know, technically, I don't know if I've officially, like, you know, on a uh, YouTube video, actually, no, in a YouTube video, I have talked about it, actually, because I have the innovation projects that I talked about, and I believe I discuss building it for my home network, but I set it up um, as an internal LAN inside my parents, you know, Wi-Fi uh, internet network, um, to use layman terms. <laughs> um, I set it up internally inside of all of that so that I could have my own private network, which routed all of its stuff through its own uh, configurations and pushed it through the router without it being logged. Um, not that it was doing necessarily anything shady, but uh, just because I could. Um, just working with the technologies to mask my uh, routes just to see if I could and how that worked um, and how to identify that whenever that happens on your own network in case you get hacked or people are um, you know maliciously using your network. The that is the reason why um, all test purposes, all lab ideas. So I think I have been talking about this since like 2018, technically, in my YouTube videos. Maybe it was 2019 for that video. I can't remember what year that innovation project was. I think it was 2019 fall. Um, no, yes, yes, yeah, I think it was fall 2019. Anyways, um, did that, and that kind of started the journey for me, was innovation class um at lakeland with scott ryan um big fan of that guy i really do need to go back and see him now that i'm through matt tune a lot more often um i might make it out there on a wednesday actually i'll you know hey spencer if you're listening to this um clear your schedules for a wednesday maybe we can go down to innovation class um after work one day um just you know i'll hit you up about it obviously if you're not listening to the pod i understand but if you are listening hey we should do that we should go check out innovation night just to catch up with uh Scott, and see how the school's doing and stuff, because I think technically you're allowed to go on campus if you're vaccinated and whatnot now as guests. Um, I will, you know, obviously we should probably get a hold of Scott before we do that, but <laughs> um, I think it'd be good to go back, see him, um, check out what's going on in the Innovation Lab a couple years later, see how his 3D printing uh, projects are going, stuff like that. He's got new new things he's been working on, which I'm interested to see. Um, anyways, yeah, so that's really where it all started for me. Um, and then ever since then, I've just been slowly building ideas in my head, obviously in like tertiary fourth, um, brain space. It's definitely not in my higher priority queues. It's in a low, low, low queue. Um, but it has been pushed forward because, uh, you know, working at, uh, Metro has really broadened my horizons on what is possible and what are free options to do for these things as well. Um, you know, nothing against uh, where it worked at Casey State, but it wasn't an innovative location. So everything we used was very um, provider, service provider base. Um, we just buy this program from them and they pretty much configure it all for us and we just run it on our hardware. So I didn't really get to see it every day. We didn't even use VMs, we didn't use VLANs, we didn't do WAN connections. I mean, technically we did, but it was not really the same thing. It was all routed through CSI, so it wasn't, we didn't actually implement the WAN, it was all of them, and then they just pushed that route back down um, to each of our servers, our primary and our secondary servers. So we didn't even really manage it ourselves, technically. It was technically through CSI that did all of that. Um, yeah, so that was a bit technical, so I'm sorry, but anyways, to explain my point, since going to Metro, 
um, I've seen how it's done at a at scale, at massive scale. Because you know, if you don't know, Metro Communications Inc. is a internet service provider provider for um, businesses and enterprise use, basically. So they do the big boy stuff, <laughs> um, and so there's a lot of new innovative project products and um, new technologies that are being used that can also be used locally in um, smaller home networks and so that you know brought everything that I've been thinking about in the background of my brain space to the forefront and was like hey we can do all of this stuff that you've been thinking about for three years with the stuff I have right now it is not not that hard (laughs) Um, so let's just go ahead and like dig into what that means so inventorying everything on my not necessarily on my network but network devices that are actually doing something applications are running applications that are useful on my network um let's start with should i start top down uh sure we'll stop we'll we'll start with uh modem router so getting internet from mediacom uh they're the best in our area best thing you can do uh currently my plan is um the one gig Copper, it's not fiber, unfortunately, but it is coax, one gig. So that means I technically lose a bit because our attenuator isn't really anywhere nearby. I don't think it's technically in KZ or where we route to. I think we route directly to Charleston. So, you know, we got to go from KZ to Westfield to Charleston. So we just have a direct line. There's no attenuators. There's no repeaters. There's no... um, redundant there's no middle management devices we're not in an enclosure technically i think there is an enclosure in case that we connect to and it ports out Uh, but anyways we're about as direct as you can in our area to the main service provider so i just get a straight coax cable um which is all right um obviously it's one gig so it's pushing the limits of the cable that's coming in but it is just one tube of copper cable. Most everybody that has a fiber line, that's what you're getting getting in our area. But what that means for uh, you know end users, internet speed is about 700 meg to 800 meg wired, and slightly less than that Wi-Fi. Um, that is routing through my uh, have double net gear just because I, I know the net gear. Um, in devices, I understand their software, and I think that they're not the cheapest, but they are the best uh, affordable options. Um, I am planning on upgrading, but I'll talk about upgrades after I'm done with the current list of things, just to keep people from being confused. But, anyways, routing into a Netgear. Uh, don't get—I don't know the exact model of the modem, but it is a 3.1 Doxic compliable device, which basically means that it can run fiber or coax at technically I think it's two gig uh, speeds. So what that means for you guys is that I could technically get a two gig gigabit connection from Mediacom and my modem would be able to translate that and push it out to uh, routers on my network. So what is that next step? Um, it technically has a dual WAN port, which means I can technically run two separate networks off of the same line but since I'm only getting a one gigabit connection, I'm not dual porting because um, I don't want to uh, forcibly split and only have 500 and 500 on each line because then that um, defeats the purpose of the higher grade um, router that I have. Um, 
So I'm only using the one port for one gigabit full um, because it optimizes my devices the best. So that explains why I'm not using two separate networks for anything, just because I want to be able to use the highest possible rating for the devices that I have. Now, if I had the two gigabit connection, which I don't know if Mediacom offers two gig to me, they would a business. I'm not a business. Maybe I'll have to build an LLC when we move. We'll see. I don't know exactly how that's going to go. But anyways, <laughs> again, that's future stuff. Um, so that pushes into my router, which is the, again, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it is the Netgear Nighthawk um, R-Series. I'm not going to give you any more closer to that because then you can look up the default username logins and brute force into my device, which, to answer your question, no, it's not defaulted. I have it all custom, um, not custom custom, but I'm using different IP addresses. I'm using um, updated software. Um, obviously, the login information is not the same. Um, I have my own unique password and uh, username for the admin account. No other users can be allowed on the device. So it's as locked down as it can be for an end device. Obviously, these are uh, routers are actually pretty easy to break into. I've been doing some research on them back when I was buying them. Um, pretty much, if you have network access to any of these, like Netgear, TP-Link, um, I think there's a couple other uh, options that are lower grade. They all have a general easy uh, to crack software. Um, so I am thinking about moving to uh, open WRT or PFSense for my routing. But again, that's for upgrades when I get those devices later. Um, I don't have any reason to flash this device with a new operating system just for security purposes because right now I'm not using it for anything important as well as I don't think that I have the threat level to be hacked. <laughs> um, so I'm not too concerned about that right now. Uh, the only reason why I'm going to upgrade is because they give me more functionality for VLANs and larger WAN networking. Um, larger home um, build out, obviously. So that's why I don't do it. Um, so yeah, it's the Netgear Nighthawk tri-band. Uh, brings in a gig, can push out. Technically, the it's rated to push out a full gig connection, but um, obviously attenuation and um, walls ruin your connectivity. So I really only get about 650 to 790 range on um, upload and my download is consistent 60 so we take that that's uh, as good as it gets 60 megabyte megabit by the way um, so that's there uh, using both 2.4 and 5 5g wi-fi connections not the same as 5g cellular connection don't get this confused just the wavelengths being used by your router to push out connectivity uh, so I use both of those. Um, primary is 5G on my phone, redundant to 2.4 when I get out of range. Uh, 5G is a lot tighter wave, harder to reach. 2.4 is a wider wave, which means it can push farther and have better connection. So that's why I have that defaulted back as a secondary. So um, not going to get into the exact specifics of how I DHCP from my router, but it is currently configured to be the main DHCP and DNS resolver for my entire network. However, when I get into what my Raspberry Pis can do, there's a separate uh, thing called Pihole, which I've talked about in an innovation um, video. So you can check that out. It's on my YouTube channel, the O-Nerd channel. Um, it goes into more in-depth on what a Raspberry Pi to Pihole can do for you and kind of the functionality of it. But brief thing is, Technically, Pi Hole was created to block ads on your network back when YouTube and 
Twitch were really pushing ads and a lot of um, predatory ads were on websites. Now it's less so because there are regulations and most of it's ported through Google anyways, or Amazon buckets, which is a completely different subject. But you don't really got to worry about that anymore necessarily. Obviously, you still get a crap ton of ads, but they're not malicious. It does help creators, especially on YouTube. You get paid quite a bit of money, um, and that's the only way Twitch is making money, and they are currently still operating at a loss, so I understand why ads on there suck. <laughs> um, and no, Piehole cannot block Twitch ads, so don't use it for that because it can't do that um, because they are baked into the website itself because it's part of Amazon, and Amazon has an ad service, so it's all natively integrated, whereas YouTube, it is technically hosted by Google, but they run on two separate services, so they just get injected on top of your YouTube video. So you can use things like uBlock Origin to block YouTube ads if you want. Um, at Linus Tech Tips, I with you, that is considered pirate pir piracy. So just understand that, that if you're okay with that, then use ad blockers. If you're not okay with that, don't use ad blockers. That's up to you. Um, my pie hole is not configured for that. Uh, my pie hole currently, um, in the future, we may change up the functionality of what it does. But for right now, the current use of my pie hole is to be a DNS resolver for network applications. And I will get into what that means when I talk about that pie hole and that Raspberry Pi. But to finish out what I'm talking about on the router, it is the primary DHCP, which is... Um, couldn't tell you what the exact um, scheme of that uh, initialism is. I think it's an initialism. I don't think it's an acronym. Um, but basically what it does is it hands out IP addresses. You don't really need to know the name of it. It's dynamic. Uh, control something something. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not too great on um, what acronyms mean. But I can tell you. I can tell you what DNS is. It's domain name uh, service. But better to instead of know what it's uh, named after, it's better to know what DNS does. It resolves host names to IP addresses. So like google.com is a host name, it's a domain name, but it's pointing to an IP address, which is 8.8.8.8. So it's just human readable ways to access the internet. We've all seen this, this has been around our, your entire life on the internet, almost everywhere. I, I, uh, just about guarantee everybody listens to this podcast has only ever used domain or host names to work on the internet i don't think anybody's ever typed in 8.8.8.8 to get to google.com to do a google search i don't think anybody's ever done that but that's what your dns resolver does what your router does by default is it will route that for you and understand those differences to allow you to see what you're seeing versus what it's actually doing so that's what my router is doing by default it is the main hoster of handing out IP addresses for network attached devices and runs the DNS resolver to allow you to access the internet. Now, the next piece of device, which I think is the next important after that, is the server, which the server, I've talked about it before, it mainly hosts Minecraft. Um, and going forward, it won't be, which I've talked about as well. Currently it is because people had a snow day and they wanted to get back on the server. So it is still currently running the server because people are interested in it again. But anyways, okay. So the server, what does it do? Why do I have it? What does that mean? <clears throat> okay. So 
in all actuality it's not even a server it's technically running windows 10 pro educational edition it is um running free windows <laughs> currently it's not licensed right now so i can't do a lot of customization but i can still run applications off of it so i don't really care um but it is technically a windows 10 pro installation uh it's not actually any server grade parts it's all consumer grade normal uh, end user pc parts and software so i call it the server because it hosts a lot of network applications on it obviously one being the minecraft server that is port forwarded off of my network to allow people to join it not going to get into details of that because it's not important to this episode but it hosts a minecraft server for people to play on it also hosts my media server which is currently plex i'm working on building out a jellyfin version of it uh having some bad functionality um it's not liking connecting uh so i need to go through some settings and reconfigure it there um anyways um both of those do the same thing jellyfin and plex are more than less the same thing um they run media things like movies tv shows uh, other things now how you obtain said movies tv shows and other such things is up to you um going back to the piracy thing some people think piracy is okay some people think piracy is not okay uh, i lean to the camp that piracy is what you want it to be it could be a way to try out new games um to see if they work on your hardware before actually buying it and wanting to get a refund and you can't or maybe it's to try out new software such as like the adobe suite maybe you want to see what a a a uh illustrator sorry what adobe illustrator does versus lightroom maybe you just want to check it out and see hey is this a type of software that i need to buy and use uh that's a way to use it um maybe it's to find old no longer available movies things like that come out before 19 or even 2000 you can't find in stores anymore you got to go to um third-party sellers so they could be scratched or have damaged boxes or any number of things could be wrong with them so you download those old movies to keep them in your collection to remember the good old days um and what i mean by third party um that's to explain that even if you went out and found this movie you wouldn't be giving that money to the artists or the developers the people that created it to begin with that money would be going to somebody else who found it and profits 100 percent off of it um and i am a huge proponent of supporting the creators of anything um so like in the case of twitch if I'm watching a creator and I enjoy the creator and I'm there on a daily basis, I will subscribe to them. I will sometimes donate them. Mostly it's my friends I donate to as jokes. But I will donate to that person to show them that I care about what they do and I want them to continue doing these things. Um, and I always, you know, subscribing sucks because most of it goes to Twitch. Um, so that's why I don't I don't like Twitch ads and that's why I subscribe. Um same thing with youtube i ad block most youtube videos because i don't like the ads on the youtube videos because i'm just quickly trying to search something trying to find something i want to watch to get some information but if i'm sitting down like if i'm watching linus tech tips or i'm watching another famous youtuber that i like watching or maybe i'm watching bite review who is a smaller channel who just recently got enough to have ads on his videos 
I will turn off the ad blocker to watch those ads in order to support the creator. Same goes for video games. I don't like Blizzard or Activision, so I don't install any of their games. And I don't use their software. But indie developers, I don't think you should pirate most of their stuff because they that is their livelihood. They've spent years on this project. Uh, you shouldn't be pirating that thing. But something like maybe CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk. I, uh, I didn't download it, but I've thought about downloading it to see if it even runs on my machine. I would never buy it because I know that it's not functional. <laughs> um, same thing, same goes with movies. Anywhere that I'm going to be buying a movie, that person that originally created that thing is no longer getting it. That's not true for Disney movies. Disney movies, I can subscribe to Disney Plus and watch it on there. Granted, I don't own it. However, the day that is no longer on Disney Plus and there's no way for me to access such as their TV shows, then I will install those TV shows from torrent sites because I can no longer gain access to them and can no longer support the original creator. Therefore, this is the only option, and I don't think that's wrong. So, just a brief tangent on how you access and how you get information and why I have a media server. Currently, my media server has everything that I enjoy on Disney+, Plus, Netflix, or Hulu. Now, why? You may be asking why I just downloaded Shang-Chi. Because I could just watch it on Disney+. Plus. I can't get into any legal trouble because nobody can prove whether I have this or not. This is all hypothetical, educational purposes only here. So, uh, Disney, if you're listening to this, you can't really, don't come after me. I'm not reselling this. I'm not gaining anything from this. I support your website. I support your platforms. That is why I don't think it's a problem to download Shang-Chi and run it off of my home network on Plex because I'm still actively supporting them on the main thing. However, my TV sucks at running Disney+. Plus. Um, it's using Fire, it's an old TV, has bad ports, um, and it cannot run high quality on Disney+. Plus Because Disney+, Plus, oh, excuse me, sorry. Disney+, Plus, if you didn't know, only runs at the highest possible version that I'm playing. So I currently have 1080, technically IMAX on the newer stuff, so Shang-Chi runs at IMAX. It doesn't run at 720, which is all that my TV can handle. So... It crashes all the time. That is why I downloaded it and put it on my Plex servers because Plex will dynamically downscale that to 720 or less need be so that I can still watch it on that TV. And if I want to watch it at IMAX glorious 4K quality, I can do that on my PC and I go to Disney Plus and I do that. I actively support them there. So for me, it's also not just about I don't want to buy something. It's also about functionality of what I have currently. I can't watch Shang-Chi or any new Marvel Disney show on my TV because it just can't handle it. So I have to install it on Plex in order to watch it and enjoy it. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, so yeah, running Plex on the server. 
And it connects to, uh, let's see, what all is it connected to? All three of my TVs. It's connected to my phone, my main PC, and it used to be connected to my laptop, not anymore. Um, I've thought about and I have decided that it is not morally correct, not okay, ethically speaking, for me to give out my media server to friends. Why? Because they're not in the same situation I am. They may be able to afford Disney+. Plus. They may be able to run it on their hardware without any problems. I don't know what their situation is, but me giving out something that is, legally speaking, illegal to do, I cannot host this, you know, media because it is copywritten and owned by Disney and Marvel by association. Or other way around, it's owned by Marvel and Disney by association. So I can't legally or in good conscience, conscience just host this for other people because it's technically illegal and also you could afford it and you can do all these things on your own come up with your own moral reasons to whether you're okay with it or you're fine with you know yeah i just want to steal something and i'm okay with doing that that's up to you it is not for me to decide for you if that makes any sense so that's why i don't share this with other people is because of those reasons so it is only on my devices only configured for my network um in the future i will actually be disabling the um forward facing ports for my server um, but until like three days ago i didn't have a way to tunnel into my home network from anywhere in the world so I had it technically port forwarded, but you had to have all the exact information, had to have a sign in to actually get into the vault to watch anything. So I had it configured on my devices. Technically, you can install Plex right now and connect to my server, but you wouldn't be able to watch anything. So to explain that as well. But going forward, I'll be disabling that because I have a way to get into my network now so I can actually do the functionality that I needed to do. So. You know, hopefully that explains my functionality um, or my not my functionality, <laughs> uh, how I determined my form of piracy. <clears throat> OK, so what else is on my server? Um, I'm trying to think currently, um, I guess I also run MyriaDB database, um, which if you don't know what a database is, it's a way to store information, not, you know, as separate files, but as chained information for easy access. Um, mainly it's used in enterprises to uh, maintain customer records, things like that. It's a secure way to do it. It's better than just having loose um, plain text files. Um, how I use it, it's free open source software. I use it currently just to um, house all of my permissions for the Minecraft server, but going forward, I may also do it for inventorying my network, other attached devices, router logs, um, things like that is probably how I'm going to also use the database just because it's pretty lightweight and I have a lot of room to run it. So once the uh, server is not a primary server for my Discord, it will be uh, repurposed to also house other things other than just permissions for the server. But I am also running, you know, I am running the database on the server. Um, currently working on an FTP server, a file server um, <clears throat> on my on my server as well, um, which 
that, all that means is that I can upload and download files from any of my devices that are connected to the network to that share um, with ease. Currently, I have ways to do it for Windows, but I don't want to use it on any device. So using uh, SMB and NFS file systems, um, I need to have an actual file server to do that. So I'm working on that. Um, which I haven't really come to a good solution for that. I'm between using FileZilla, which is really just Windows-based, and there is technically a Linux-based one, and Open Media Vault, which I think is the way I'm going to be doing it forward. I know uh, technically that's a NAS, which isn't quite the same thing as a file server. Um, it's a little bit of both, but it's different. I'm not going to get into the semantics there, but um, probably going to run both just for, not posterity, but... Um, for testing purposes, for fun, for learning, <laughs> um, educational. Um, so currently working on building that out on my server as well as another thing. And I think that's it. I think that's all that my server is running. Um, I guess I am running a Discord bot on there. All it is is a moderation bot, so it allows um, people with moderation um, permissions on the server. So admins, um, president, vice president, server owner. Instead of using the GUI to do things, you can just type in the chat um, commands. So you can do uh, things like, uh, I'm not going to give you the exact um, code type in that you would do, but you can do like, you can ban user and give reasons. You can kick users and reasons. You can time out users with reasons. Um, you can do a whole bunch of things there uh, for admin purposes because for a while, um, myself and Spencer weren't at our desks daily. We were in class or we were at work usually. Um, so it was hard for us to moderate the server. Um, so, you know, we came up with the idea of why don't I spend the time since I've already learning Python. Um, I may as well develop a, a bot that can do some moderation tools so that we can on our phones instead of trying to navigate through the GUI and um, by hand delete messages one by one we can just define in a message that we send in that chat in the channel to do it for us so basically it was a convenient way to moderate a server on the go on a mobile device because uh, the ios and android versions are harder to navigate um, it's a lot more difficult to get into the back ends of servers from your mobile device um, so that's what that bot does instead. It allows you to mass delete, allows you to mass ban, kick, timeout. Um, it even gives you functionality for creating invitations to the server as well as um, a couple of the functionalities for um, showing people on uh, the Minecraft server, which isn't currently implemented for 118, just because we haven't updated it in a while. It's, the last time it worked was 115, but that was because there's a ton of people on the server, so that's where the functionality came from. It was pretty slick, if I might say. Um, it all is self-developed by me and web, and it's hosted on my server. Um, so that was a fun project that I did. I think I talked about that as an innovation project as well. Um, at least the beginning functionalities of it, but I since have expanded upon it, so that is an outdated um, video. But it still does kind of explain the um, entry level of what it does. But I think that's all for that's in my server. So the next important device is drum roll, my main PC, which is my gaming PC, which is the most um, powerful device in this house. I think, yeah, I think it is. Um, 
I don't remember the exact the exact specs that are in the server. I just remember that it's Core i7 um, CPU, no GPU because I'm not doing a lot of rendering. Thought about it, um, which again upgrades. I'll talk about that. Um, couldn't tell you the motherboard. It's got six, 16, no, 32 gigabytes of RAM. Um, it's DDR4 32220 whatever, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's got a 500 gigabyte SSD as its main boot device, and it's also got an attached one terabyte. Um, what is this? It's a hybrid drive, so it's technically a hard drive SD drive. I don't know exactly what we call it. It's a hybrid um, that houses all of the um, media for the Plex server. Um, basically, everything on the Plex server is on there because it has higher read write speeds, so it allows you to play higher. Bigger files, faster, more efficiently. Um, and it also houses a lot of the... It houses the main um, Minecraft server being played, as well as the bot, and then everything on the hard drive. Local root device um, is all backup storage. That's where all my backups go and all that stuff. And so, yeah, that explains everything there. However, on my, new, on my main PC, my gaming PC, the specs that I can remember... It's Core i5-7600 CPU, which I know is very, very behind, I understand. Um, I have a 1070 graphics card, very behind, might add. Um, 32 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM, same, that's in the server. Um, trying to think of all that's in my, in for storage. I have one terabyte boot drive, it's a WD, um, can't remember the exact definitions of it, but it's a hard drive. 700 or 7,000 rewrite. I don't remember exactly what it is. 72, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. It's a one terabyte drive. Very slow. Very bad. Um, just haven't migrated OS off of it. Poo poo, whatever you want on it. Um, I have a Samsung Evo something 500 gigabyte SD, which is currently what my Pop OS dual boot is on. And it's all on that device. I also have a Samsung Evo something uh, M.2 drive, which is the big boy. It's fancy one terabyte uh, drive, which houses, what all do I have on there? Um, I'm actually gonna open it up here on my device. Let's go to this PC. Let's go to my M.2 drive. Currently on it, I have Minecraft, all my modded Minecraft. I technically had Star Citizen on there. It doesn't run everywhere on my device. So I recently have uninstalled it um my steam library i am running halo infinite wilder wilder myth and skyrim special edition which is the wildlander mod which you've seen on my youtube channel I've done that uh long playthrough and yeah that's everything on that's on my main drive uh, which if i'm looking at it right here i have about 270 gigabytes free um, so not a lot, but mostly it's for updates on any of the games that I'm playing. Um, so it runs all of my main games that I currently play. And then I have, as well, um, attached by USB, because they don't have enough SATA ports without being in a RAID array on my motherboard, which is unfortunate. It's an old motherboard, so I don't have a lot of space for it anymore. Um, I have another one of those hybrid drives that I was talking about with the Plex server. So there's another one terabyte um, drive, which has the backups for my Minecraft, both modded and main. It has, uh, let's see, Skyrim video information in it. 
um, backup Steam games, so things like uh, PC Building Simulator would have been on there, XCOM would have been on there, RimWorld was on there, um, and a couple of the games that I've been playing before I got the M.2 drive were all on there. I did migrate them over. Um, I also have all of my Dolphin information is on there, so everything that I use for Melee um, is all there. Um, also, everything that I do for this, the podcast, so all of the raw and finished information is on there stored as well for a quicker read-write when I come to editing. Um, and then to go back, sorry, I need to go back and talk about what was on my root device. Obviously, it is Windows, but I also have... Um, I actually keep it pretty clean. Nothing on my desktop. Um, I hardly ever keep anything downloaded in the downloads folder. I pretty much immediately move it off or delete it if it's an installer. Um, but in my main uh, documents folder, I have every ISO. Yes, these are real ISOs. It's not me making a joke about um, torrenting all of my ISOs. But I have ISOs for things like D-Band, which is how you, uh, well, D-Band a hard drive. <laughs> um, but it's a Windows-based program technically but it runs root on your bios so it allows you to wipe drives in case you need to reinstall windows or nuke and rebuild for a different device or you are destroying or reselling hardware you want to wipe your hard drive and basically what it does is it stripes your um, hard drives three times so it completely removes and scrubs all of your data off of your hard drives. Uh, don't know if it works for SSDs, have yet to try it, but they work a little bit differently, so I haven't, you know, I don't know, I haven't had any time to do that. But I use D-Band very rarely. Um, I've only ever used it twice. We had a couple of laptops that I'd swiped and put Linux on for my parents. Um, before you say, wow, your parents use Linux? Mm, not really. <laughs> um, my mother has a laptop that all she needed was to access websites and Windows 7 wouldn't update to Windows 10 and it was trash on that device because it was technically made for like XP or something stupid. It was old. Um, and she's like, all I really care about is as long as we have the photos that were on here, because it's photos from our childhood, and I can access the internet, you know, websites. I don't really care how this machine works or what's installed on it. So I nuked it and I rebuilt it. I'm trying to remember what um, OS I put on there. Uh, if I had known about Photon OS, which is basically a win Windows uh, rebuild, which works a lot better. Um, I would have just dropped that on there for um, ease of access for her, but I don't believe that that was around. So um, I either put Linux Mint or Ubuntu on there. Either way, whatever one, it doesn't really matter to me what it was. Um, she's not. Um, she's not into the wars of this arch is better than the rest or anything like that. Um, it was purely for, at the time, those are the ones that I knew of, and I knew ran well on older devices that she had. So, I installed that, I set up shortcuts for her to access Google Chrome, and she's good to go. It can, you know, it's got Bluetooth connectivity, it has all the ports that work just fine, um, so everything for her works. So, I think she's still running it today, which is unfortunate. <laughs> uh, but, so yeah, I've used D-Band a few times, I've used it more actually at KZ State than anywhere else, because we had a lot of hard drives that we decided that we were going to deband instead of just um, smashing, just in case. Um, so I did that for a few times. I had to deband a few devices because they weren't getting Windows updates, so I had to fully reinstall Windows a few times. And it's just easier to completely wipe a drive and rebuild Windows instead of trying to use the Windows repair kit. It's just trash. So I did that instead. Um, 
The only ISOs that I currently keep are Debian 11, which I use for a VM on my server just as um, testing purposes for PyHole, PyVPNs, things like that, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, so I use Debian in a VM because Raspbian VMs kind of suck. I don't know why, but for the reason when you try to use like Raspbian Lite, which is what I use for all the Pies, if I try and use that in a VM, it just doesn't work very well. Um, don't ask me why, but I just it's just weird. I just have I just have trouble with it on the server. So I've just been using Debian to run through installations of different uh, Pi device stuff. Um, that's the main reason why I have it here. Um, it's in cold storage, um, or technically it's hot storage, but in deeper storage than on an SSD or fast read write because I don't really need it to be. So it's just taking up less space and important to drives. Um, currently have the most recent Pop OS, which I've already talked about using that, and Raspbian Lite, which is what I'm running on all of my Raspberry Pis. Um, which to explain slightly, I guess I can, is Raspberry Pis are devices. And Raspbian is the OS that runs the best on them. Uh, Raspbian Lite, by extension, is the OS that runs headless. Headless meaning it's all command line based. There's no GUI, so there's no point in even plugging in um, an HDMI cable into a monitor or keyboard and mouse because you can just SSH into it or just secure shell hosting or something like that. But basically what that allows you to do is it allows you to from one device connect to the Raspberry Pi to configure everything on it that you need to. Because everything that I'm running on the Pi Holes is technically has a web page interface for admin panel purposes. So I only ever need to remote into the Raspberry Pi in order to install those packages, those applications, and then I can use the web hosted admin panel to actually configure everything in post. So all I use it for is once I install Raspbian on my main device, which is through the software called Rufus, which there are other ones, Etcher and things like that are also out there. Basically, it's an image burning device onto flash drives, SD cards, things like that. Um, if you're into VMs and um, remote building of new OSs, you know what this is, you know how it works. I'm not going to get too into it for the people that don't know because it's not going to be important to you. But I use Rufus to configure all of the SSD or SD cards for the Pies as well as if I need to take Windows or other ISO uh, boot devices with me to install on other people's computers. That's what Rufus is used for. So all I need to do for Pies is to install Raspbian on their SD cards and then I can just pop those into the Pies and then I can remote into them and we're good to go. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I keep in the ISOs. I got a whole bunch of books. I got about 700... 700 300 gigabytes worth of books which is all pdfs a few audiobooks um to dig into them a little bit i have books on ai ai machine learning cybersecurity, um infrastructure which basically is um higher priority technically lower on the osi model um networking devices and tools and the technologies behind them um Spencer shared with me quite a bit of gigabytes worth of uh, school information whenever we graduated, all of this, all of his notes from school, um, because, you know, he is a good guy. Spencer will definitely help you out, but he is not somebody to just do it for you. Um, but it is pretty hyped that he kept uh, records of everything he had ever learned and all of his notes and just dropped them to me one day. <laughs> uh, so I have quite a bit of information from school from him. A lot better notes than what I ever did. Um, 
And then I have a few tabletop RPG um, books and things like that, such as um, like D&D 5e player handbooks, a couple monster guides, um, a couple different RPG stuff is in there. Um, and then, you know, I have uh, the rest of my Nintendo stuff, meaning um, all of the other ISOs and old games you can no longer get and can't play anywhere, uh, emulators for them, um, and things like that. And I have a couple other emulators uh, for PlayStation 2 games um, as well. Which I won't get into that too much, because it's not, it's a gray area on legality. But I'm a big fan of uh, emulation. So yeah, that's what's on my main drive, obviously. Of course, I also have um, hard storage for old videos and all of my pictures, which I plan on moving my pictures to the file share once that happens because I don't need to access them all the time, but it's nice to have a backup of them. Um, so yeah, that's what's on my main device. Next device, um, I have sitting over here the 3D printer. Haven't used it. It's an Ender 3 V2. Got it for my birthday from Boston. Thank you very much. I'm very sorry that I haven't done anything with it yet, but I am researching it and working on it. Thank you. I don't think she watches or listens to this podcast, but regardless, thank you. Um, it is a nice piece of technology. Um, and in the future, I will be 3D printing um, lots of things. Uh, cable routing um, troughs. Um, bins for nulling devices and getting cable management taken care of so you know like storage of devices and things like that uh, wires and all that such 3d printing cases for these pies and different configurations um first allowing for stacking uh longer storage um adding um bands and things to boxes to gear everything up better to look nicer um and also moving forward and i'll talk about it in my projects here on my notion board um things like building larger scale cases for a raspberry pi router and switch so i have you know have the raspberry pi in there it has its nice little box i have all of it configured and i also have a switch in the same box that allows you to network things a lot better and in a in a uh, compact easily managed thing instead of just having a box uh switch just laying somewhere and the raspberry pi laying on top of on top of it sorry i have the hiccups a little bit um but tidying it up and making it look a lot cleaner and easier to manage when i'm moving things around so that's the main purpose of this 3d printer um, so it will primarily be a utility tool for my network um, and then i'll get into some other like model making and 3d um asset creation to print miniatures and things like that once I get into that, once we once we move into a house and have space for a workbench, that's when I'll start actually like 3D printing um, for other trinkets and things like that, because then I'll have some space to actually like work with them. Um, so yeah, I have a 3D printer. Um, looking around for anything else, my phone. Uh, it's iPhone 12 Mini. We've all already heard about the entire episode. I talked about it, um, but pertaining to the network, things that I have are. A VPN service, not going to tell you which one, just for security reasons, but I have a uh, VPN service for routing back to my main network. It is um, technically hosted through Pi VPN, but I'm not going to tell you how it's configured or anything like that, but that's all running on a Pi. Um, it allows me to access my home network from anywhere in the world from mobile devices. So currently it's just configured on my iPhone, but once I get the iPad, I also configure it there. Um, I also have on here uh, the Plex web client, like I said, to, you know, or not web client, but, you know, client for watching. 
I also have an SSH, um, whatever, whatever you want to call it, app um, that allows me to remote into my Raspberry Pi if I need to. Um, only reason why I would do that on my iPhone is if I am remote and need to get into my Pi Hole, which is a very interesting conundrum because if Pi Hole is not working properly or a feature isn't working, like if Pi Hole is not working, I can SSH into just fine. But if Pi VPN isn't working right, I can't SSH in from my phone because I can't use I can't use the software to get to my home network in order to edit the software that allows me to get into my home network. That makes any sense. So. Um, Eventually, I will be separating out my Raspberry Pi um, applications, my network applications, so that they're separated for that reason. Um, obviously, I have my biggest, my beefiest, my most well-cooled, well-supported device will run just the VPN so that it is in its safest possible uh, location to allow me to access my network in case anything goes down. Um, for any reason, or I need to reconfigure something without losing connection. Because if I reconfigure my um, Pi that's running Pi Hole or the VPN, if I have to reconfigure one of those, it's going to drop my connection. So, reasons why I do that. But that's all that's on my phone that pertains to my network, I believe. Um, I also have a couple password managers. I have some third-party authentication apps and things like that they can also use for signing into things on my network. But that's pretty much all that my phone has to do with the network. Um, yeah, all right. Well, I think that puts us into the pies. Um, yeah, I think I think we're ready to talk about the pies. So, Raspberry Pi, I've already talked about it in the Pi Hole video. Go watch that for any information on Pi or Pi Hole. That's all in there, well documented. Um, but the main pie is Raspberry Pi 3B. I've had this for years, since 2017. It's still held up today without a heatsink or a fan on it. <laughs> um, not that it's been running constantly since then. It's been sitting in cold storage for like two years, actually, since we moved to the apartment because um, I didn't use it. But I re-revived um, it. I re-revived it. I just revived it uh, last week, actually. Thursday? Friday? Not too long ago. Actually, on Friday. Only been two days that I've had this going. But on Friday... I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So I spent like five hours doing it last night or Friday night and into Saturday morning. It was a lot of fun. Um, but basically, uh, it's a pie hole. It routes DNS. So currently all I have set on it is a route internally. So you can't do this from outside the internet or outside on the internet. Um, but if you're signed into my network, anybody that's connected to my home network, um, as long as you're connected to the actual Wi-Fi and not to the guest Wi-Fi, which most people are connected to the guest for good reasons. But if you're connected directly, um, I guess I also have a printer here. I have a Canon um, printer. So, yeah, it's a pretty BV $100 nice printer. Use them at Metro as well, surprisingly. But it's good stuff. Anyways, um, the Pi. The Pi hole. What it does is it resolves IP addresses. So things on my server such as the plex server are instead of being the ip address of the server and then the port to the host name for the plex media server to connect to i just have a domain name for it um, called plex.lab and my phone all i need to do is put in plex.lab and it connects to the locally hosted versions which run better quality than remote versions same goes with 
uh, by router instead of using the gateway information of your router to log into the admin panel I just have gateway.lat um, obviously you still need to have the login information to get there but anyways I have that same thing with logging to the piehole ad administration panel um, I have piehole.lab port slash admin so I can directly access the admin panel instead of having to type in the IP address of the Raspberry Pi remembering which one it is all that yada 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 that's really all it does right now but it will in the future also um, locally allows me to access all of the admin panels of my network applications instead of trying to remember the IP address to port that I need to go to um, to access those things I can just type in the service name dot lab and it's right there for me so the pie hole doesn't do all that it's function to do it's not even set up to be my DNS resolver directly all it does is DNS resolves local IP addresses and then pushes all of the other routing information to my router so I have and I have my router configured to use Cloudflare, Flyer DNS, and backups of Google DNS. Um, so redundancy there. But that pie hole does like one tenth of what it's actually supposed to do of functionality wise. Um, just because, you know, I just want to test it. I just want to see how it goes. And because it's a 3B and it's an old model, I don't want to burn it out, if that makes any sense, until I get some um, Model 4s that are beefier um, and can actually do some legitimate DNS routing. Um, so it's currently just in local IP address routing settings. It doesn't do any other DNS resolving at all. It doesn't cache anything, doesn't do anything like that. It just ports all that information straight to the router. It only takes like five milliseconds more on load time, so it's not really noticeable, which is okay. That's nice for me. Um, but everything local is just easier to manage all of my admin panels. So that's what I'm using it for. That's why I have it. PyVPN is also on there running on it to allow me, like I already said, to connect remotely back into my home network. And that's all it does. It doesn't technically encrypt any information on my network. Nothing gets ported through it. All it is is just a remote connection to my home network. Um, yeah. So that's what those are for. That's what it's all about. That's the only pie hole that's currently in production and currently functioning. I now have a second Raspberry Pi 3B sitting here that I technically stole from one of Spencer's projects. Spencer was building a, well, he did build a, I don't know if it was RetroPie or what it was, but it was um, originally a handheld um, emulator for Nintendo games. Um, he then since repurposed that idea to a newer model of Raspberry Pi um, to actually run like, RetroArch, I think. So it plays all of the old retro games on it and had like a dope Atari shell that he found to put over the top of it um, with working LEDs and all. It was pretty sick. Um, so he gave me that old old Game, game Boy-esque device that he was building and decided to scrap the idea. So I currently have that because it has an LCD uh, hat that goes on top of it, which I'm currently not using. But it's another 3B that I'm going to re-image. Um, it's actually already re-imaged to um, Raspbian Lite. It doesn't have any other information on it. But what I'm going to do with this one is I'm going to clone everything that is on my original Pi, Pi Prime as it's called, in my um, Notion board um, to, this is PyDose. Um, PyDose is a clone. I might rename it, but it is currently PyDose. PyDose is a clone of PyPrime. 
And all it's going to do is not be even redundant. It's not going to be plugged in at all. The whole idea is that this is as fresh as a possible Raspberry Pi because it's only been used for about, I think, a total of 10 hours of configuration and playtesting. So it's pretty fresh. I kept it in good condition, kept it well stored in a dry, cool area. So it's fully functional. I've already tested it out and it's ready to go to be a replacement in case Pi Prime dies. So Pi Dose will probably have hopefully has zero use for it but it is configured exactly the same it is a cloned copy of what's on pi prime minus dns cached um currently uh, because i haven't figured out a solution for dynamically updating those um, but i am to talk about some future updates for that um, i am planning on doing a uh, automated script <clears throat> that every time i plug in pi dose to the network it should pull down all the config files of Pi Prime and overwrite any old data on Pi Dose and then turn itself off. That's the idea. Um, so yeah, hopefully I can do that. Um, you know, weekly. Um, I might even change it to be weekly. It's um, what do you want to call it? Wake on LAN, where it would boot up the device on um, on the network once a week. And, you know, I'll figure all that out in the future, but I haven't really had a solid plan on that. But basically, the whole point of Pi Dose is to be a, an exact copy of Pi Prime in case of device failure of Pi Prime. Um, so it doesn't do anything. It currently just sits on my desk, currently collecting dust. <laughs> um, and then I have Pi Tri, is what I call it. Pi Tri is looking at my board here. Let me see what Pi Tri does. Pi Tri, Pi Tri will be my home NAS, is what it currently says. Um, so what that means is I'm going to be running a media vault and the Plex server on it. Um, not a cloned copy of the home server because the server is bigger, has more capacity and can, um, process, um, Plex server a lot better. But PyTry is a part of my overarching project of Pi on the go. Um, <laughs> I have very clever names here if you didn't notice. Um, but PyTry will be, um... Currently, I'm building out as a test. I have a third Pi 3B, which is again stolen from a innovation project um, of old. Actually, this project was inherited from a previous year. Somebody was built building a fight box, which the objective was to run retro arc fighting games so street fighter all of the street fighters that could run on retro arc were installed and it was a fight stick um had the buttons on the side and the whole purpose was to be a two-man um battle and the kid dropped out so currently all the device had it had one fully functioning breadboard leds and all hdmi came ready to go in the pie everything all set up in this beautiful box um had it was what it was official effectively a one player um, fight box. It was pretty sick. It had all the Street Fighter. You could play, play against bots. It was pretty dope. Um, I think it looked like he was working on an extender uh, device of some kind to connect other uh, cables into it. So it could, you, you could use the um, Pi to uh, run like a normal fight controller, like an Xbox controller. You could just plug straight into the Pi and it would work. Um, don't think it was functioning at the time. It was actually pretty sick. But uh, I took that on because I was like, you know what? I might get around to fixing it. Um, that's what I did one year for a lot of innovation stuff. I had a small project, um, I believe I've talked about actually in the vlogs on my owner channel. Um, the Ambilight was my main project. Um, 
And then all of my side projects were helping other people with their projects as well as fixing older projects that weren't working. So a lot of other LED projects, uh, Skittle Cloud, um, 3D printing stuff I was helping with. And that fight stick was one of them that I picked up. I was like, hey, I might get around to doing it. It's a fun idea for Retro Arc, which is what uh, inspired Spencer to do a better version of it uh, on a sick old, um, it, was, it wasn't a Dreamcast, it was an Atari um, device. It was pretty, pretty dope. His was dope. Um, so I took that on. Never really got to finishing it, but I still have it in my closet. So I will be repurposing that 3B as a test for TriPi, which, like I said, was going to ruin Open Media Vault and the Plex server. Open Media Vault is open sourced NAS, which is network attached storage, which is a way to have file sharing on the go on a device not on your main PC that any device can connect to. Best way I can say it. But PyTry, that's what it's going to be used for. Um, at least this version, PyTry 1.0, will be um, a 3B test device for Open Media Vault. Open Media Server, whatever it is, Open Media, yeah, Open Media Vault and the Plex server. Um, just to see what it can do for processing, I think a 4 is going to be way better for the Plex server and Media Vault by extension for better read writes. But regardless, that's the idea for PyTry. Um, so that pretty much covers the main three Pies that are currently in progress of being developed um, and are all technically could be attached to my network that were within my umbrella of network. And I think that covers everything that's currently running on my home lab, home network. Um, yeah, about an hour and 10 minutes. Not done yet. <laughs> um, we have future updates, upgrades. Yay. What that means. So home server upgrades to start that. Well, let's, yeah, let's go there because it's the easiest one. Home server upgrades, more storage. Um, going to be fixing up the storage, putting the Plex drive internal um and then i'm going to drop in my 1070 once i get upgraded my main pc anyways that's all that's going to go there um basically i'm dropping in the 1070 for um gpu encoding to allow for better rendering of better transcoding of 4k and imax quality um, for things like my phone my computer and other devices that can run that higher quality image um, I need to have a better transcoder for that, especially the farther away I am from my home network. So that's why the 1070 is going to go in there. The motherboard does support it, just to let you know. It does. It's nice. We bought it for that purpose. Um, home main gaming PC. Idea is to put in a uh, probably an i7. Um, I will have to upgrade the motherboard, so I might end up getting AMD. I haven't decided yet, but I'm thinking a 10. Uh, an i7-10900, I believe, K, is the one I'm looking at. Um, it's going to be sick. Um, at least a 2080 Ti, but hoping to get a 3060 are the two that I'm really looking at getting to put into for my graphics card. Um, revamping to, I'm going to see if I can get DDR5. Not sure if it's available, but DDR4, 64 gigabytes of RAM. It's the idea there. Um, getting... Two M.2 drives, both two terabytes is the idea there. Uh, one partitioned with a boot device, like a boot side and then storage side um, for older, more hardcore storage. Like I was saying with my ISOs and my books are gonna be there, less needed for grabbing often and at lower uh, read write speeds. And then a second one that is just gonna be my main game drive. And then um, a third, um, 
SSD thrown in there. Um, thinking a four terabyte SSD for anything else that I happen to need to store um, in case I want to. That's the main storage for my gaming, or my, my ideas for my gaming PC to update to. Um, and of course, all three of my Pies, I will be revamping to be uh, fours. So fours with the eight gigs to allow for uh, just better overall performance. Um, and then a bit more niche things. I will be upgrading my router to be a PFSense or OpenWRT, depending on which one I get to around to doing, but getting a dedicated box for that. So it's not a access point combo, router access point combo. It will just be a router that routes information. It's going to be sick, high-powered, dope. And then I will be connecting probably Unify controllers, which are uh, access points that you can configure around your um, home that way you can access um, the internet a lot better instead of just having one access point the main router I can configure say well in this house I probably configure three I'd probably put one in this room the gaming the gaming office second bedroom um, because it's at the corner of a house and then I would put the second one in the kitchen and then I put the third one just outside the hallway in the main room to support um, you know, the dining room, the kitchen, or the dining room, the living room, and the main bedroom. Um, and then the one here in this this office would be for the office, sort of into the living room, outside into the sidewalk, under the road, and the bathroom. And then the kitchen would uh, mesh into, you know, the bedroom, backyard, garage. Um, so all of those access points would be configured to, you could dynamically go to each one automatically. So if you're out of range of the one in the office and you're in the kitchen, it should automatically build you onto that one so you don't have to worry about it. It's pretty slick stuff. Um, allows for better connectivity and higher speeds because you're not having to, uh, the wave doesn't have to go through a lot of walls to get back to your access point. It will be at the most efficient, closest access point to you, which is hype. Um, which that plan is, it's probably not even going to be in. I don't have any plans to configure it for this home. The idea is that the home we move to in Mattoon, that is where I will be doing this. Because I will have dedicated space to uh, mount things, install things, build things out how I want to, blueprints and all. It's going to be sick. Um, so yeah, that's what it would be. And then it would have a beefier switch because currently I just have an uh, 8-port unmanaged switch that connects my printers, all the pies, my main PC, all directly into the router. Um, idea is to get a managed switch in the future for obviously VLAN purposes, like I talked about. Virtual LANs, for all of you that care, um, you should already know what that means. For people that don't know, that is virtualized local area connections or network, um, which basically just means, you know, how you can connect your phone to the router and you get internet, that means you're on a LAN. Um, technically, you can see other devices that are also connected to that same router connected to the internet. Um, so VLANs is virtualized versions of that. So the switch will allow you to um, not concatenate. Technically, it's uh, separate networks all pushed through the same router. So I could have a test LAN um, doing its own thing with own stuff and will never touch the main network because... If I get a virus or something on that VLAN or I blow something up, it will not affect the rest of the internet and network connectivity for anybody else. So that's why I want to manage switch. Um, so yeah, when we get to the new house, that will also be a thing that I will build out. It's going to be massive. Um, not a 48 port, but a 24 port is probably going to happen. 
it'll probably be a 24 port uh, managed switch just because I like the big boys and we'll have a network rack um, because the future you know future is looking bright for uh, having large not industry standard but some pretty big rack mounted uh, servers for file hosting file sharing server things <laughs> um, yeah it's looking it's looking real possible but that's some things that I'm thinking about um, uh, looking at the rest of my dashboard here um, I do technically also have a router pi which I talked about um, pi on the go now that one will be uh, pretty much a cloned version of what my home pies would be so you know I talked about uh, pi prime being pi hole VPN um, pi dose being a clone of it pi trace pi try is media consumption the idea is for pi on the go my router pi um, pi on the go is a pretty slick idea I've talked about you know having the router connect to a box and switch when I travel places but pi on the go is the overarching um, term for the project but I will have a pi a Raspberry Pi that can emulate being a router through WD open WRT um, having a switch connected to it to allow for other like you know like an access point for people to use to connect to it um, and then the Pi will find Wi-Fi connections when available to give internet but when not it can still hand out um, local DNS so I can still access the network panels for things for the admin panels for things sorry um, I can connect to the Plex server that's on there which is remote which will have like a slimmed down version of like my favorite movies or movies that we want to watch newer movies and things like that TV shows that we enjoy um, that we're keeping up on I can just drop on there um, and other network resources for file shares and things like that for grabbing and dumping a bunch of files like we have move, uh, we have videos and pictures that we're taking on the travel and so we can dump them all on there to free up storage to do it again the next day that's the idea of pi on the go um it's gonna be a pretty slick idea it's currently still being built out i don't really have a lot of information but mostly it's to uh clone all of my pi devices that i currently have and all of my network services and then just put them in a compact travel version travel case basically it's gonna be pretty dope um, and then longer term projects that I currently have are ESXPi, which is a play on ESXi, ESXi, which is an emulation platform with VMware. I'm not going to get into the, to the specifics of that because it is not in the scope of this episode, but basically it's software that allows you to host multiple VMs on one device. Um, which the idea is is ESX ESXPi <clears throat> will run ESXi and then we'll also be on a stack of I'm thinking two so one and then redundant for double productivity and I'll have two of those so four total pies will be running ESXi uh, which is all built upon the vSphere um, platform which will be running on my main server in the future which is basically a management tool that allows you to cluster pies together um, cluster um, VM hosts together to make more powerful versions for VMs it's pretty slick um, I'm just now learning about it it's pretty dope but I think that covers everything in my dashboard here and that's in my home lab and future upgrades for all of them so whoever made it to the end of this video or a uh, podcast whatever this is um, 
you are either very interested in this or very confused but excited for whatever i just said so i appreciate you for being here um i have a lot of fun ideas um and to in case you know if dakota hey if you're listening to this, dakota this one's for you uh, if you're still here and you didn't just click out um nice um this one's for you we uh, discussed talking about having a knolling station and a workbench in a basement of the house. So, to explain to you what I mean by that, is I am currently building out um, just a superficial blueprint of what I want my um, work station, work garage thing um you know like adam savage has the cave that he works out of his shop i think is what he calls it but that that uh, superficial idea is this will be my domain it's like a my current office on crack on steroids on, on scale it's going to be my lab and it's going to be sick um the basics that I have ironed out for sure is I will be having a workbench, two workbenches technically. One workbench will be for uh, minifigure, um, you know, things like 3D printed objects that are being painted, min minifigs uh, for D&D things and such like that, or uh, sanding, polishing cases for things that I'm building, stuff like that. Um, a more hardware-based workstation for um, that. And then it'll have a... Uh, well, it'll also house... No, no, one house, because that's a different thing. Um, and then my secondary, my well, my main, my primary one that I'll be using the most will be my workbench for networking equipment and Lego um, creation. Um, so that's where those are going to be at. And then I have, I think my light bulb's going out on this little guy I have over here, my desk lamp that I have. Um, sorry. Um, and then I plan on having at least four floor to ceiling shelving units for storage so that could be old equipment new equipment cable boxes uh, things i don't need for networking and stuff like that and then that'll probably take up at least two of them and then the other two will be for hardware things minifigure filament stuff for the 3d printer um two by fours actual like wooden metal sheets and things like that will be stacked in one um, and then a knolling station on another for separating out lego pieces and displaying of lego stuff or other minifigures that i want to display um, and then on that shelf i've already i've already this is like the main thing that i've like really dug into is i'm going to have a raspberry pi that all it does is loops classic tv shows and I mean, it can be reconfigured to also play like Marvel movies and things like that. I'll work on that in the future. But the main thing that I wanted to do is it just plays like all the classic TV shows from my childhood in a TV format. And it's going to be sick. So the idea is that monthly I program the shows that are going to go out and what order they go out on. So I'll have like blocks of um, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. I'll play like for two hours and I'll play through a couple episodes and I'll have a block for Gravity Falls, and I'll have a block for Ben 10 Classic, I'll have a block for The Mandalorian, I'll have a block for The Clone Wars, I'll have all of that beautifulness, and then once a week I have a marathon, because this is, oh, oh, 
I have a marathon. Like, I just have a Star Wars marathon where it plays the entire Skywalker saga, and that's all it does for that day. And it's going to be... Oh, it's going to be so good. And the idea is that that'll be an overarching um, DVR um, scheduling system. So every device that can display Plex Media will do this if you want it to. So, like, I could just log into my phone and I could watch it from anywhere that I'm at. Or I turn on the TV and it's like, oh, I want to watch whatever's scheduled right now. Like, it's the Star Wars Marathon. And I just turn it on and Empire Strike by Strikes Back is just there. The Hoth battle is happening. I don't have to go into the Plex Media server. I don't have to go to the Empire Strikes Back and I have to click start. It just is there. And then here, here's the here's the slick part. So it will know when I'm playing a movie or if I'm playing a TV show. So if I'm playing a block of movies, it just plays the entire movie straight through. No ads, nothing special. It just goes beginning to the end. Next one goes. It'll be sick. I might even configure it to do trailers before and after so that you know what's coming up next. But, all right, check this out. TV shows. TV shows are going to be sick. So TV shows, because they're already pre-built to drop in ads and commercials, I've, I've thought of big brain. Big brain thing here. I fi- I'm configuring and figuring out a way to build this script, this platform that I'm doing to TV show is happening. Say so it's a 23-minute episode. You play two of them in a block, no problem. You know how that normally works. You have an hour block, you play one, ads, play the other. And you might put in a couple smaller ads in between. That's my idea, is that I'm going to do the same thing, but for my own stuff. That's going to be sick. So the start of the episode just plays, and then when there's like it's supposed to be an ad break, instead of being like a commercial, I mean, th- I thought about this. And I thought about actually getting like retro ads to also play on these. And they're out there. Let let me tell you, people are out there actually with files on their computer that they're hosting for other people of a 2005 sham wow commercial on Disney XD. (laughs) Like what? Why? Why do you have that? But you can. You can do that. And I'm going to. There will be times that the month will be scheduled to have those ads. And so those shows will happen, and then you will get the nostalgic ad that happened in those shows when they first came out. That's how sick that's going to be. And then also, other things I'm going to do is maybe sometimes instead of that, I will play trailers for new movies that are coming out. So it'll be like modern um, commercials. So you're just watching Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends and then all of a sudden the Multiverse of Madness is your ad that you get. It's going to be sick. (sighs) It's going to be so cool. Um, And then other ideas that I've had is also to do like not home movie things, but like in between shows. I will do sometimes I may have the trailer for the next show that's going to come on or a show that I have been watching recently will do an ad or something. But I'm also thinking of doing, because the idea is that this house is going to be rigged with cameras um, outside. And I might even do some inside. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, But I'm thinking about putting up a few cameras down in the basement in my workshop just for that. Think about that, Dakota, or anybody else is still listening to this. While you're watching... (laughs) <laughs> that it just goes to a commercial or in between it just like cuts to me knolling some legos or building a lego set for five to t- two to five minutes whatever the ad break needs 
Isn't that like, wouldn't that just be sick? That would just be so hype. And then it's just like, you're just slowly seeing me progress through something. And then that's it. <laughs> like, just, just because. Um, yeah. That's the idea. So that's... Oh, dude. Oh, I'm just so ready to get to the new house so that I can do this. <laughs> like, I don't even care about this house anymore. I just am ready to move because I want to have these insanely dumb things that I can just do. Because I can. And it'll be sick. And it'll at least be there for five, if not ten years. <laughs> and I can improve upon it. Um, so yeah, those are the for sure things that are going to be down in my basement. Um, and like I said, I will I will give out that blueprint to you for sure. And if other people want it, just hit me up. And I'll send out that blueprint of the superficial idea of what I'm building. But, oh. Yeah, that Plex idea has just been something that's been slowly nagging at my brain for the longest time. <laughs> Is that I just want to do that. And I, I just think it would be so dope. But... Anyways, yeah, thanks guys for sticking out this long. Um, hopefully this was an exciting one because I'm having a lot of fun with this. Just come up with stupid things to put on my home network that just are not even important and don't matter and don't really do anything, but are just for my own enjoyment. Um, I think it's just fun. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this is one of the longest ones that I've done, but this is one I'm very excited about, very into, big fan of information technology and everything that comes with um, what I do as a profession. So, um, appreciate everybody listening. Um, I'll catch you all next week looking at the calendar. You'll be listening to this on Valentine's Day. So, everybody out there that's listening to this on Valentine's Day, hopefully you had a date and it was nice. If, it, if you didn't have a date, hopefully you just had a good time with yourself. And, you know, self love is what you need the most at the end of the day. So, whatever you're doing um, this week, this coming week that you're listening to this, um, I will be going to three basketball games. In a week. High school ones, mind you. Two, uh, well, only two, because one of them I won't be able to make it to because of work. But the other two, I'll be there. Um, yeah. So that probably won't have a lot of time for my home network, but I'll have the whole weekend to actually do some nice, fun stuff. So, yeah. Next week's episode will be pretty mundane. Um, I haven't really come up with a topic I'm going to talk about yet. It probably won't be as exciting as this one. Um, but, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys, for being here. Um, hope everybody had a good time. Uh, yeah, works great. I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying myself. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. If you couldn't tell by this episode, but um, thank you guys for being here. Um, enjoy your afternoon, whatever you're sipping on. Have, hopefully, you're having a good day. Probably should still be hot because I think it got down to like 19 degrees today, but it's supposed to warm up this week. So you might be drinking a nice little cold brew from Starbucks or a lemonade or something because it's like almost 60 degrees on Wednesday. <laughs> um, but whatever it is, uh, stay safe, be healthy, have a good time. Uh, catch you guys on the next one. Bye.